Hello everyone and welcome to the Volrath Feed. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef here at the Volrath Company. And as always, I'm in tandem today with uh, our co-host and producer, Justin Pearson. Hey, Justin. Hey, Rich. What's up? Oh, you know, life, all that good stuff that goes with it. <laughs> You're <laughs> not wrong. Keeps us busy. <laughs> Do you ever feel like some days the funnel is just like everything that's that's um, in your world kind of funnels into one point and you feel like, ugh, it just couldn't it be spaced out a little bit more? Everything comes at once. Yeah, but, you know, when it, when it rains, it pours, right? Yeah, that's, you know, the old sayings, there's reasons people say those things. I mean, I know this one's pretty obvious, but some of the other ones, if you think about, like, why would someone say that? I don't know, maybe that's just a dumb thing I think about. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. there's wisdom in a lot of those sayings. It's true. There's, there's there's truth in it. It is fun to break apart some of those sayings, you mm-hmm. know, like, well, where'd that come from? Who's the first person that said that, you know? Yeah. Hey, just a quick thing. You know, I'm a Mason, right? The Masonic. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that the Masons have laid out, like you ever heard someone say you're right-hand man? You remember mm-hmm. where that came from? Well, in Masonry, you have officers and on their right sides sits their next in line or their helper, if you will. So that's on their right hand. The right-hand man. So that, that's like the number two, the go-to guy. Yeah, yeah. Or their their assistant, if you will, or you know the person that helps them. And they're literally physically on the right side of them. Correct. Okay. Actually, it's to carry orders around the lodge and so forth. There's the Masonic Lodge is a very old organization, but a lot of that history has worked its way into everyday speech. You know, is this on the level? Uh, yeah. No, that's something. Yeah, there's there's so many, so many sayings that are just in our everyday uh, vernacular that that we just don't think about when we say them. Yet everybody who's a English speaker as their first language uh, just gets them. And of course, it's all you know a lot of it's regional and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think about the people who aren't from this country, and and you say something like that, and and they're just like, wait, what? You know? <laughs> yes, it's true. It may sound a little funny, but yeah, you know, like kill two birds with one stone, and then that's got to be horrifying. You know, like like shooting fish <laughs> in a barrel. It's like, man, what? <laughs> good points. Good points. Oh yeah, well, fun stuff anyway, right? Well, speaking of fun stuff, I am super psyched for today's episode. Ah, yes. And we have a, we have a podcast favorite coming back on the show. Yeah, in Brittany Radcliffe and. This being the episode is going to drop around Halloween. Um, you know, we don't normally theme out our episodes, but what better time, right? Well, exactly. No, she was a lot of fun. We learned a ton from her. Easy to talk to, very engaging, entertaining person. And it just so happens, as the timing lined up, <laughs> Halloween is one of those holidays that kind of lights her fire. You know, she really is uh, likes Halloween time and. Um, we'll have to hear if she's got anything she does special around this time in culinary to either after school. She's, she's also recently promoted from the last mm-hmm. episode we had. I think she's now the executive chef at Moorhead State University of Dining. So it'll be fun to talk to her about that. And again, maybe she cooks up something, some creation for the students on uh, this holiday. Oh, I'm sure she's got some, some kind of witch's brew or something <laughs> that she, she fixes up for him, you know, but, uh. You know, speaking of food and Halloween and, you know, it's not really a gourmet dining experience, but candy is ah. what Halloween is known for. I mean, I'm, you could say that about any American holiday, but... <laughs> Isn't that a fact? The, there's candy associated with it somewhere, but... But in a way, it's always food. We can always say, we always say food yeah. helps us celebrate, helps us in many, many life situations. Food's That's always true. present. It is always present. And... and and for you, you know, you can really celebrate this holiday with the presence of candy corn, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Justin, yeah, you do know me. Yes. <laughs> Justin is not uh, serious with this, by the way. That's I can talk at length, I suppose, about my disdain for that particular <laughs> candy. Uh, you were wronged at some point in your early childhood by 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 this no. seemingly innocuous, no. harmless candy. It's been around since the 1800s. No, I wasn't harmed. I just ate it at one point and realized <laughs> that the taste isn't any good. The texture isn't any good. It, it's not wrapped. It's just in a bowl and everybody, re- you know, there's just a lot for me that 
And please, everyone out there, before <laughs> there's those of you that really enjoy it, I can understand and respect that. There's things that I probably eat that most others maybe wouldn't. <laughs> but in this particular case, <laughs> this well, one is way off my list. And you're not alone. You know, uh, there's been surveys, you know, that candy corn is America's least favorite candy around Halloween, despite the fact that. 35 million pounds of the stuff are, are made every single year. It's just, it's one of those things that just shows up. You know, I, I, nobody remembers buying this stuff. It just shows up, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, back before COVID and everything, you know, when candy dishes are out in front offices and stuff like that, it was always just like the candy corn and, or the, 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 the little candy corn pumpkins, you know, that are just like the same thing, just more of it. <laughs> I bet that stuff's even would outlast a Twinkie. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, mean they do get hard, but I bet you could reanimate them with a little <laughs> bit of effort. <laughs> you know, they always joked about a Twinkie having a shelf life of however long. I'll bet this stuff would outlast a Twinkie. That's well, how artificial this tastes to me. It's like if you burned a candle down and <laughs> carved off some of that wax on the top, That that's what candy corn is to me. Yeah, sprinkle in a little sugar. There you go. You know, a little food coloring. And well, hey, maybe we just need to be throwing those into our survival packs, you know, and like well, <laughs> if, I suppose the, if the apocalypse ever comes, go hit up the, the candy corn factory. You know, you, you probably have hit on the one scenario that I would probably gladly eat a handful of candy corn. <laughs> Life or death. Yeah. Some situation like that would have to be there. But if there's a choice between the bag or the candy, I'll eat the bag first and then eat the candy. <laughs> well, I guess now that we know your least, what what's your what's your favorite go to Halloween? Well, candy? those of you that know me, there's there's a lot of favorites I have. Um, <laughs> boy, I don't know my favorite. Hmm. And normally, when I ask people what's your favorite, I you know put you know, making a favorite anything is difficult. But so yeah. I say like, what's your top three? Or, well, or but no, I want to know your absolute favorite. Like if there was nothing else. This is. Mm. Well, this I love peanut butter. Peanut butter is my right. one of my favorites. So Reese's, those mm -hmm. the peanut butter cups, those are those are right there. But any of those little mini candies are always good. The candy bars, I like those. Uh, but peanut butter is pretty much my one of my top. I was okay. saying like my favorite foods, peanut butter. Love it. Yeah, same. Me, it's a, it's easy. It'd be uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. And I th mm. think we've talked about this before. It, it has to be. The OG Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, not the minis, <laughs> not the big ones, because the proportions are all right. off. It's the ratio. That, yeah. The, 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 the chocolate to peanut butter ratio in the original is perfection. Everything else after that is just some bastardization. I try them all. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I hear you. You're right. There's, there's, the ratio is important. And and my wife makes peanut butter balls that are really good too. I forget what she all puts in them, but it's a, it's a holiday, Christmas time type um, candy she makes. Mm -hmm. Yep, sign me up for all that, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, according to uh, another study, uh, and these are all very scientific studies, of course, you know. But mm. um, Skittles was America's favorite candy in 2020. Really followed closely by. Reese's Cups and Starburst. So we took second place in that, huh? Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess. What kids know? Yeah, right. <laughs> it seems like all the fruity, colorful stuff is yeah, like something that you enjoy when you're a kid more, and then as you as you get older. At least in my case, I gravitated more towards the the savory kind mm. of candies. This you know, something that's balanced out. Yeah, Skittles are pretty decent though. I, I can get I in like a bag of Skittles, but, but, yeah. but they're so sweet. I can't eat very many, I suppose, but yeah, yeah. Uh, good. Not a, not a bad first uh, favorite, I guess, amongst the kids for that holiday. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, though, I remember like I, I was always a head taller than most kids were in my class. So mm. even when I was like second grade, I, I had a friend of mine who was probably a little shorter than average height for a second grade. So we would go trick-or-treating together, and everyone looked at me like, well, you're too big to be trick-or-treating, but here you go, little guy, you get your candy. <laughs> like, we're the same age. But I always got kind of shunned because they thought I was too old for the holiday. Oh, man, that's that's tragic. Yeah. You know? like, here's, here's some candy corn for you. We got to get rid of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> Maybe that's where it happened. I guess you could be right. <laughs> <laughs> no, like when the older kids come around, I mean, there's clearly like, 
kids that are in seventh, eighth grade, and that's like getting there. It's like, come on, guys, yeah, you right. know. And they like don't even like dress up. They just have a pillowcase, you know. And, and I'm just like, I, I have to give them candy because these are the ones that are dangerous. These are the ones that are gonna like, you know, do something borderline criminal to your property. If you know, the the ones that fully embrace the trick side of trick or treat. So it's just like, here's some candy. Go away. <laughs> right. Oh uh, yeah. You know, I got a funny story. When I was in college, you know, a bunch of college guys in a house, you're not thinking about Halloween or trick-or-treat. And um, it was Halloween, and we looked at each other and said, geez, you think we'll get any trick-or-treaters? And we're thinking, there's no way, right? The locals kind of know where the students are housed, and mm -hmm. they stay away. I got to believe they would stay away. So as it goes, sure enough, we get a kid at the door, trick-or-treat. And we all look at each other, we have nothing. We're college guys. We have nothing. All of a sudden, our roommate jumps up. Now, just to put the paint the picture for you here, he's about six foot four, and he's well over three fifty. Big dude, <laughs> big guy. But as soon as he starts talking to you, you get the sense he's like the gentle giant. So he jumps up, he runs in the kitchen, and he comes out, and you can see he's got something in his arms. We can't tell what. So here he opens the door, and these kids are like trick or treat. And he goes, oh, you know what are you tonight? And he gets into it with the kids, engages them, and they're all like excited talking to this guy and. They hold their bags open, he drops something, and you can see the whole bag kind of go thump, and their mm -hmm. arms go down like, what was that that you just dropped in that bag? And these kids, their eyes get big like they're thinking, this is a great big candy bar or some other really good thing. And they look in the bag and they go, a potato? <laughs> he looks at me and goes, oh, they're excellent. You can bake them. You can fry them. You can make hash browns out of them. And he starts to go on and on about the, <laughs> the potatoes. And these kids, of course, are like looking at him. It was just too much for us to handle. We laughed and laughed and thought it was just the greatest thing. But whenever that's I a that's the kind of stuff you get eggs in return. <laughs> <laughs> I think of that often, that Halloween story when I was in college about these kids. And, you know, just you can imagine the kid holding the bag open and then this heavy thing hitting the bag where he's normally feeling like these little onesie twosie kind of candy yeah. bars. And uh, <laughs> they were all excited. And it was a potato. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so speaking of potatoes, Rich. Did you know that potatoes were originally used to make jack-o'-lanterns on Halloween? I didn't know that, really. I did not know that either, too. You know, I just kind of always assumed that... How how would you carve a potato with enough room in there? Okay, maybe... Was it a candle in it, or how... Did, <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, apparently, uh, years ago in Ireland, uh, that's where the jack-o'-lantern became tradition, uh, people made other decorations using vegetables uh, that were more readily available and, you know, Ireland, potato, uh -huh. you know. Uh, so large potatoes and turnips uh, hmm. were the tradition that were used. So I guess you can get some big potatoes and you can have fun. All right, Justin, them. here's our challenge. All right. We have to see if we can carve a potato into a jack-o'-lantern style Yes, Halloween uh, ornament decoration. I, I am I am on board with this. Like like full on. Like you have to get at the bare minimum a little tea candle in there, but it has to be illuminated right. from the inside. Okay. And yep. All right. All right. We're in. We're in. We're doing this. All right. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> we'll we'll post our uh, finished pictures on Twitter so you so everybody can see uh, and you can all judge to see who's the better potato lantern carver right. hey we'll, we'll do a service we'll educate everyone as to where the jack-o-lantern started yeah it's humble roots i had i had no ground. idea it was a potato i had no idea how it started to be honest but a potato I'd... well i can see why it quickly transitioned to a pumpkin you know? yes right <laughs> although maybe a watermelon would have been a good choice at least you could eat the interior and that's that that's the part that always bothered me about carving pumpkins it's just like it's nasty in there you know it's <laughs> I don't mind getting my hands dirty and stuff, but when that slime starts to dry in your hands in mid-process, it's just... Did ugh. you roast the seeds? Did you make the, the pepitas? I like I like pumpkin seeds, but I, I don't recall... As a family, we never did that or anything like that. We would do that. That'd be my favorite. That'd be a good yeah. part of it for me was roasting those up. Well, and, and I thought like, you know, when I was carved pumpkins with my daughter when she was younger, um, I thought about doing that. And I'm like, well, it just seems like a lot less work just to... Buy a package of 
of pumpkin seeds. So that's that's where my head was at years ago. So maybe yeah. maybe it's time to do that. That's do you a have good any, thing. You have any good tips on how to roast a good pumpkin seed? Oh, just a little oil and salt to keep it plain and simple. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Dry them up and then a uh, little oil and salt. You just that's throw what we always did That's what I like. Now, I, I imagine there's, you you can veer any way you want. You can go, I suppose, a little heat. You mm-hmm. can maybe maybe try a little, sh- I, I don't know. I've never made them sugary or sweet, but you could put maybe a little bit of a, a glaze on them. I don't know. I never tried it that way. Yeah, hmm. maybe a little chili powder or paprika. Exactly, or, exactly. Yeah. Wasabi. Have fun with it, but baseline, just start with a little bit of oil and a little salt. bit of salt. That's it. Yeah. Keep it simple. And do you do you dry them like low and slow, or can you do them fast? Or yeah, I don't think you want to be in too hot of an oven. I I think you know three fifty something around there. As I recall, there isn't any. At least I'm, if I ask the Google, I'm sure there'd be tons of recipes. But from <laughs> what I used to do, is just dry them out a little bit on a tray. Um. Of course, pick all the extra bit of pumpkin off of them, mm-hmm. and then um, throw them in a three fifty and toss or you know dry them off a little bit so that that oil is going to stick, and then toss them into a little oil and salt in the three fifty oven, and away you go. I, I'm sure, like you said, ask the Googs. Why isn't pumpkin pie a bigger thing traditionally at Halloween? Was it because like you scooped out all the guts, you saved it, and then you made it at Thanksgiving? Well, here's maybe a little. Fun fact, you do. there is a difference between pumpkin that comes, or for pumpkin pie, you have a different pumpkin than you do with a jack-o'-lantern pumpkin. There's eaten pumpkins and there's carving pumpkins? Correct. There's a pie pumpkin huh. and a jack-o'-lantern pumpkin. I guess I did not know that. I guess like apple pies, you got, you know, eaten apples and bacon apples, but you can use You can use a jack-o'-lantern pumpkin for sure, but if you're really just harvesting or you're growing... Uh, pumpkins for pie. There's a more dense variety. Um, that's not designed. as much of a cavity in there. It's just right. more. Yep. Okay. And huh. I'd be willing to bet. I think the flavor is probably in a little bit. I, I bought them when we did a demonstration in our rotisserie oven. You know, we have our Volrath uh, rotisserie ovens, and they're they're a different style in that we have a basket, and mm-hmm. um, the baskets are nice because they're so versatile. So I was trying to get our sales force to understand that if you took a pie pumpkin carved it out and filled it with something like a um, a bread uh, pudding mm-hmm. and then baked that pumpkin and you could serve that on a table. I think that's that's a pretty colorful, attractive thing to merchandise in our ovens right when they're going around and around and then bring that to someone's table and, you know, divide that up and everyone could eat their little piece of the pumpkin stuffed with bread pudding. It was kind of a unique yeah. way to show our oven, but... Is that a pretty unique feature, having a basket as opposed to... Well... We call our oven rotisseries, and a true rotisserie is the chicken's on a spit. Mm-hmm. The spit turns the chicken, and then the whole entire thing goes around the oven. So ours are designed with this basket, which is not standard, you know, not a true rotisserie, but um, it certainly helps be more versatile. You know, think of a grocery store. You load it up at 10 in the morning for your maybe noon rush of rotisserie chicken, then maybe you load it up one more time in the afternoon for your grab-and-go at dinner time. but that's it. It's done. It's done its job for the day. It's chicken. If you've got these baskets, now you can use it. And we've got people that roast coffee in them. We've got people that cook Aww. ribs, uh, chicken legs and thighs. Again, I was trying to expand our, our DSN, our salespeople's ideas of things to, to show people or talk to people about so they could see more value in running multiple things in these ovens. Okay. Okay, well, we, Justin, we have Brittany on deck. I think we should get to Brittany. I know last time we, she, you know, she's such a fun guest. And uh, I know there's a few things we want to recap that we didn't quite fully flush out from our last conversation with her. So I think we should bring her on the show and once again have some fun and engaging conversations. So everyone, please welcome Brittany Radcliffe to the show. Brittany, welcome to the Volrath feed. Thanks so much for having me back, y'all. Super excited. Yeah. Oh, no, it was a lot of fun. You're always a lot of good information and fun to talk with. And we, you know, we often bring guests back and the timing is just always a couple of months after uh, they were on the show the first time. And we just happened to kind of think about it and think, you know what, we're going to bring Brittany back and it's going to be right around Halloween, which we know is one of your holidays, the one you like to really get into. It is my holiday. My uh, my boss likes to uh, introduce all of the new staff to me as, you know, Chef Brittany, but she's Halloween year round. It's just something you kind of have to get used to. 
Uh, I get to meet my uh, my regional vice president on Wednesday, and he's also been vast on this. So <laughs> he gets to meet Halloween, walking Halloween. What does that mean, Halloween year round? You're uh, always baking. I'm always or... really spooky. Always. <laughs> I spend most of my time like hiding somewhere and scaring my staff as long as they don't have enough. Uh, uh, but I'm always like playing little pranks or, um, the way I dress, my hair is always kind of like a different color. So I'm almost always in costume is the way that, uh, my general manager likes to say it. Embracing a trick or treat lifestyle. Yeah. And it's all tricks on my end and very little treats. Oh, all right. At your home, do you get into it like that? Are you the person with the great big display outside? or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the inside of my home is, uh, it's a lot of Halloween too, but that is actually year-round. So yeah. you, can, you can walk into my house at any given time and there's going to be uh, what any normal sane person would consider Halloween decorations. That's just my everyday decor. Ooh, there are pumpkins all the time. There's bats everywhere. There's my poor <laughs> fiance, like, she puts up with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. so do you set a budget for yourself every year or you're just like whatever no. yeah, whatever halloween i spend, have I spend. A budget. are you crazy no <laughs> you can't have a budget for halloween this is the one time a year that i'm allowed to just like just spend without anybody being like all right Brittany, you need to pull it in a little bit this is the one time of the year. <laughs> they know you. They know it's Halloween time, right? And I have a bigger budget this time around because I'm planning a wedding. So what? Uh, planning a wedding? Yes. Yeah, she says fiance. Your wedding? Is My your wedding. wedding. Yes. Oh, <laughs> wow! Congratulations. Thank very you cool. Very much. Yes. Oh so, man, uh, I am. Wow. <laughs> we're actually getting married on Halloween. Because it's my favorite holiday, of course. Naturally, no. Yeah. I had to take it a step further. Um, our ceremony's <laughs> taking place in a local cemetery. Ooh. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> this is legit. And your fiance is, is going through on this. She she's that committed. Yeah, she's she is that committed. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I'm wearing that's a black awesome. dress. Uh she has uh like a blood red suit with some matte black trim. Uh, nice. And we're gonna have some. I got a fog machine for our pictures, so I'm. It's it's full spooky. <laughs> the whole thing is gonna be super spooky, but the pictures are gonna look so good. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be awesome. So like, I'm a photographer, and I was absolutely forbidden to try and shoot my own wedding. <laughs> so please tell me you're not catering your own. Uh, I would Uh-oh. like to say that I'm not, but I can't oh. stop myself. <laughs> oh no! You know what the worst part is? And this is going to make me sound like the worst fiance ever and worst future wife, I guess. So we're getting married that morning and I'm catering a wedding that night. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, nonstop. We are food four. service. Yeah. Brittany, I, I understand. <laughs> Brittany, I understand. We're in food service and that's how it goes some days, right? We just yeah, have to is. do what we got to do. I get, I get it. People maybe don't understand food service, like the commitment you've got to your job and things like that. So I get it, but- I'll bet I'm one of the few. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I got guessing. real lucky, you know, marrying someone who uh, who doesn't mind that we're going to get married, and then uh, you know, two hours later, I've got to get ready and start uh, prepping for a wedding that happens that yeah. night. <laughs> she gets it better than anybody. That's oh, what I. Yeah. Oh, she's <laughs> the most I'm supportive person. I'm so <laughs> lucky. I'm so lucky, and she doesn't even mind that we have to push our honeymoon back a little bit. Look, uh, we're looking at December right now for a honeymoon. Unfortunately. Yeah. That, that's no, all right. The, the important people thing is you have it planned, you know, because if, it, if it's not on the calendar, you say, oh, we'll do it. We'll eventually do it. And it ain't ever going to happen. It just never so. happens. She deserves the best honeymoon after putting up with the fact that uh-huh. I want to wear black. I want this to be on Halloween. I want to get married in a cemetery. Like, who else is going to be like, all right, baby. Like, yes, we can totally get married over top of someone's <laughs> uh, their, their their tomb. Totally fine. Not a Not a big deal at all. Nobody How else is going to do that. When you call the the caretaker, whatever the person that's in charge of the cemetery, and you said you wanted to be in there, what was their reaction? They must have been like, a wedding. So uh, I know the person, and they said, "Is this Brittany?" <laughs> 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 so uh, they were already prepared for the fact that, like, I'm I'm going to ask. Uh, we're look, we're using a local cemetery, so <laughs> it's uh, you know Kentucky proud. That's right. Go oh, yeah. Shop local, action. you know. Shop local. So uh, <laughs> luckily the families were all in agreement, and uh, we're going to be really careful because you know Appalachian folklore. You don't step over someone's grave unless you want to end up there. So a lot of oh. rules we got to follow. <laughs> yes. Nope. Nope. 
I know there's a lot of Appalachian rules and tradition, and we talked a little bit about some of that last time. And one of the things yeah. we didn't get to is your the bourbon and the, the whole and moonshine, the moonshine thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So is there going to be some family recipes? Yeah. There's going to be some family recipes. Yeah. I'm still, uh, I'm still in the planning stages of my own food. I change my mind every day on what I want to eat during my own wedding. <laughs> Uh, luckily Whitney is just uh, the best and she doesn't care because she knows anything I make is going to be good or at least that's what she says but I'm positive that she feels obligated to say that because you know uh, I'm her future wife but uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's really with COVID and everything going on it's going to be so small and intimate it's just us uh, my mom and my sisters and then um, my best friend from work one of the supervisors who worked for me is actually um, going to be marrying us so oh. she's ordained and uh, she's also LGBTQ, which is kind of cool. So uh, it's we're, yeah. we're keeping it close. We're keeping it personal. And then uh, everybody's going to get to enjoy all of the super spooky wedding pictures that my grandparents are going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's not what they envisioned, but uh, well, well, right. And right. You know, the biggest hurdle to, to overcome is, you know, the Appalachian folklore of once you're uh, when you're driving past a cemetery or a graveyard, you're supposed to hold your breath. So that way you don't inhale the spirit of, oh. you know, a, a lost soul that's been buried in the mm. in the cemetery. So I don't know how I'm going to hold my breath through an entire ceremony. So I might be inhaling a lot of souls while I'm there as well. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that one. That's that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, every time we pass one, you got to hold your breath. You don't want to inhale another soul. So that's wow. got to just be for like when you are passing it. Cause like, what if you're an undertaker, you're working there, you know, it's like, yeah. They've it's... had to have inhaled some souls though, right? I, right. Without a doubt. Right. Yeah, they've mean, had to how, how can you not? <laughs> <laughs> they're in that line of business. So I feel like they're probably used to it. <laughs> yeah. They're okay. They're cool. So the new job, how, what, um, we, since we talked with you last, we, we mentioned earlier, you were promoted to now the executive chef and that's, that's fantastic, right? That's, that's, I'm sure from, days of culinary school on that's been kind of the the vision and the goal right it's always the goal isn't it you right. know you go to culinary school and that uh dream job is being the executive chef somewhere yes. anywhere mm -hmm. so for me i've been with this account for 10 years i uh started off as a cook here and then just kind of worked my way up through the years so uh i'm really fortunate to be able to to get a chance to be the executive at my home, mm -hmm. I like to call it, you know, like this is where I've, I've yeah. come up. This is where all my experience come, comes from. So uh, I, I'm really, really grateful and uh, really excited and also super nervous. I didn't realize like how much really? work went into like the managerial end of stuff. Um, cooking is difficult now. <laughs> <laughs> well, from a time perspective, I'm sure, but you are the boss. What do you say now is... You know, there's no worrying about if someone can approve it or not. You you make the choice, right? Yeah, and that's been such an adjustment for me. I still go to, you know, I, I do have a manager that I, I report to. Everybody has somebody that they report to. Um, so I still have my manager that I report to, and I constantly bug her and ask her questions. And she's just like, Brittany, you're the executive chef. Just do it. Like, <laughs> stop asking me if you can. Like, you can do it. Just do it. So I'm... I am uh, slowly sliding into that into that role a little bit. It's been hard, you know, leaving the kitchen a little bit and knowing yeah. that uh, the cooks are in the kitchen and they're here to execute my vision. And it's my job to now come up with those visions. So for me, it's uh, it's hard letting go. But I'm in there all the time. I can't keep my hands off of food. They have yeah. to kick me out to go do schedules or paying people or, you know, whatever I need to do most of the time because <laughs> I just can't stop. What your job is now, right? All that job stuff getting in yeah. the way of what you want to do. I mean, on the plus side, there's a lot of really cool things that I get to do now. Um, I'm in the works of getting a micro farm put inside of my residential building. Awesome. So we're going to grow wow. our own micro greens. We're going to grow our own herbs and we're going to grow our own leafy greens. And then the students who go to MSU, are, uh, there's going to be an app uh, that they can download and put on their phones. And they're actually going to get to track the progression of what we're growing. And then they're going to get to see it go from, you know, little seedlings all the way up to fruition. And then they're going to get to participate in the harvesting and, you know, see how we utilize it inside of the dining facilities. So I am so ready to get that one going. That's a cool concept. Let them see the, the seeds being planted. And then actually, Hey, today guys, you're, you're 
parsley is hitting the plate or whatever it is, right? You can exactly, and that's, that's going to cool. be something. I mean, we're such a huge agriculture school. Like it's all about farms all the time around here. That's all we know. We know growing. We know cattle. We know chickens. You know farms. That's all we do. So to be able to take that little piece of the farmland and bring it inside of a residential facility to where they get to actually watch it and they get to track it on their phones. Because let's face it, like this generation, they're all about all about their phones. Anything mm-hmm. they can post yeah. on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or take a TikTok of, they're going to do it. And I feel like this is something that's going to, you know, make some moves on campus and get people to enjoy coming to residential, to the residential facility and, you know, get to see something new and something cool and get to participate in that. So I'm, I'm really excited. So are my cooks. They cannot wait. You meet them where they're at and technology is where they're at. And that's that's really cool to be able to bring them into the, the process and create that uh, emotional connection with them so that hopefully, I would imagine one of the goals is they don't take these things for granted as much, you know, and that's what I'm hoping you're involved in in some process. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really hoping that they get something good out of this. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of schools that are implementing this as, as a program and, uh, Babylon micros has been just absolutely amazing to work with so far. They provide everything that you need. Um, a lot of our harvest table accounts have had this implemented for months now and I've seen what they were doing and I've seen what they've been able to produce and just, the reduction of their carbon emissions, their carbon footprints on that coming from large scale schools is just, it's, it's leaps and bounds above what we've been able to do in the past. So for me, it's, you know, we're going to be able to hopefully have a hand in getting climate control under control and, uh, or climate change under control, I'm sorry. And, uh, just, you know, change people's way of thinking, you know, they get to see where their food is coming from now. So uh, I'm kind of hoping that it pulls the kids away from the technology just a little bit and gets them more engaged inside of residential dining. That's been my biggest goal this semester so far. Well, let them know that, you know, rosemary comes from a plant, not a jar that you buy off the shelf at the grocery (laughs) store, right? (laughs) Dried rosemary is not the go-to. We don't want that. (laughs) For a lot of people, they they don't maybe in their heads really put that all together though, right? That, oh, wow, this is something you can plant in the ground. You can have it in your windowsill in your apartment. If you're really, I mean, that grows fine in a a container. So there's ways you can do this stuff and have that fresh taste all all around, all year round. Right, and that's something that, you know, I don't want them to just be able to do that in the dining halls. So my goal is to, um, you know, with, with herbs, you can clip them back. With Babylon, we're allowed to clip them back twice, and then you can replant. So my thought is, so we don't go to waste and I'm not just, you know, handing out free plants all the time, which I'm going to do. But uh, I thought about maybe getting the university involved and having a club that involves my dining staff and the students on campus and maybe having um, a community garden in our new green space area. So that way the students will be able to go and you know, pick their own fresh produce or, you know, go and grab a couple tomatoes, go and get some leafy greens, go and get some herbs and take it back to their dorm rooms and maybe get them more into into cooking. So that way they can see what we're doing on, you know, this side of the kitchen and take that back to their dorm rooms with them. So, you know, why mm-hmm. not, you know, grow some cilantro mm-hmm. and throw it in your ramen. So yeah, <laughs> just trying to get a lot more student engagement. You, maybe you can help me out with this. So somebody who is thinking about like, you know, I always wanted to incorporate a microgreens program into my college environment, what would be kind of like a microgreens farm for dummies approach? What What's the process? What did it look like for you? How did the, you initiate the idea and then kind of carry it through? So for me, I just went to, uh, like, I like to keep everything local. Y'all know that. So I just started Googling, you know, local, you know, microgreen growers like in my area. And then once I found uh, Babylon Micro Farms, who is just literally a couple hours down the road from where I'm at, uh, they're pretty centralized in Kentucky, which means anyone in the area is going to be able to to do this. Uh, it doesn't just have to be education accounts. It could be healthcare as well. Um, and then reaching out to them. And I was like, you know what? I really want micros inside of our building. I really want the greens and the herbs and the plants. What can I do in order to make that happen? Whether that's, you know, I'm growing them outside or, you know, is there a way to bring that inside? And Babylon Farms, they just answered that question for us. They're like, you know what? Here are farms that you can purchase from us. We come in, we install them. And then from that moment on, I get unlimited seeds forever. I don't have to pay for them ever again. Wow. They just send out monthly. I let them know what I want that month. And then they send them to me. 
um, their little cameras up in the top of the micro farm itself. So they're able to watch the growth and production from there. Um, I'm able to watch it from my cell phone or I will be able to watch it from my cell phone and uh, just getting in with, with your local micro farm. That's going to be your best bet. Uh, because for me, I didn't understand all the rules and regulations that went into this. You know, I come from, uh, I don't want to say too small of a, of a farm background. We had, you know, pretty big farms uh, growing up, but uh, we also didn't have to go through FDA regulations and health code and, you know, being able to have something like this in inside of a, a building, which is just crazy. Like it's a whole farm right inside of its, its own little uh, ecosystem, almost its own environment. So uh, for me, it was just really the utilization of the people in the industry who've been doing this for years. And what can we do to make that more accessible for our teams, our staff, and the people that we're serving? And from there, it's just been a great partnership with, with our local farms, which has been amazing. What are some of those those regulations, the, the FDA stuff? Like you said, you know, you can like grow stuff on your own and you eat it and you know, that's the end of it. But when you start producing things for other people, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, red tape i would imagine there is um for the growing of the the micros themselves i don't have a lot of feed uh a lot of like negative feedback on that from fda what it is it's how do you keep a system like that clean what mm. what are you doing uh -huh. in order to to make sure that you know you're not growing mold or fungus inside of you know with your micros so the luckily, wrong kind of fungus exactly <laughs> good fungus bad fungus we do not want bad fungus uh <laughs> So for Babylon, they've already thought about all of this. They've already hit all those marks. There is a water filtration system, and all they need from me is access to one of my water lines and a regular 110-volt electrical outlet. That's literally all that was required on my end. And Babylon mm -hmm. took over from there, which has been just amazing. Um, I'm hoping to partner with them a little bit more and maybe start composting on campus. Uh, I know that's going to require a lot more, and I'm still I'm still learning when it comes to that aspect of it. Um, but maybe this time next year, I'll be telling you guys about the composting that I'm doing and yeah. all the gardens that I have on our <laughs> campus and yeah. all of the cool yeah. things that we're growing now. Maybe, maybe I'll have a self-sustaining restaurant by then, at least a wow. pop-up. But that's Ooh. big, big long-term goals on my end. So that's more like a five-year goal. But if I can make it happen in a year, then uh, I'm going to. Like, not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, great. That's awesome, right. So the um, the whole thing about the greens as well, though, is it just a local, like being local at the school and everything kind of buying from around you, reducing your need on importing products and not importing from other countries, but I mean, driving trucks long distances to get your microgreens or your vegetables and that, that, that whole thing, you touched on it earlier about the carbon footprint aspect of it. I'm assuming that's what you were going at? Yes. And... uh I'm sure you guys are no strangers to, to what's going on in the industry right now. Uh, just sourcing the most simple of products is so hard right now. I am very, very lucky in the aspect that uh, right now my Cisco trucks are making their deliveries uh, on time, on the days that are scheduled. And uh, I have little to no substitutions on my products right now, but I do know that there are other accounts in my area that are not so lucky. Their trucks are coming mm -hmm. two or three days late if they're showing up at all. And then when the product does show up, they're getting less than half of what they've actually ordered. So uh, I just, I know that that's probably going to be in the future and I want to try and avoid that at all costs. So if I'm able to, to source my proteins locally and go with the small person, uh, two or three hours down the road as opposed to having to rely on, you know, Cisco or another large vendor from hours away. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, the poultry industry is just, it's bleeding right now. And we're not going to see a turnaround on that until 2022, maybe even 2023, you know, um, we're losing 2 million birds a week. I don't know if you guys have like looked into that, but you know, I just, no. I just met with one of my reps and they're trying to give me, you know, I like to know what's going on in the industry. So that way I can apply um, that to here and make my menu work. So right now there's just huge, huge problems with the poultry industry where we're, we're losing those 2 million birds a week. If that keeps up, what's, what, what's going to happen to the, to the poultry industry as a whole? Are we going to be able to keep chicken as a, as a protein option, or are we going to have to go with those smaller farmers who are, you know, in my opinion, taking better care of the animals that they're raising and be able to source it from there. Yeah. So I know that this is going to be an ongoing issue and I, I, 
I want to get ahead of it as much as I can. And, you know, getting that little bit of a heads up and seeing it happen at other accounts has really given me the the drive and push to, to reach out to those smaller farmers and see what I can do to get them as an approved vendor for me. Um, so that way I'm not going to hit an issue in the future, or at least, you know, fingers crossed. That's, that's what I'm hoping for right now. Yeah. Well, and that just kind of transitions into the, the amount of students that you, uh, and customers that, that you're serving. Uh, and, and, with the, the new school year, because I imagine you're, you're at full steam, full capacity on campus. How, how was that gearing back up for that? It's not been easy. I think that I can speak for a lot of us in the industry, specifically higher education. Uh, over the last two semesters, uh, my numbers for my meal periods were just so low. Uh, for breakfast, I would only see between 60 and 75 kids for breakfast, which is just unheard of for our account. <laughs> for lunch, we were doing barely 100 to 120, and then dinner, we were maybe hitting 300. So back mm. then, a small staff is what it took to, to run that. So what's happened between uh, COVID being full force to now, where in my opinion, COVID is still full force. Still, but right. we have you know normalized uh the hospitality industry as much as we can to this point, my staff hasn't grown. Um, I was going to say the labor shortages have just got to be. I, uh. I, it's, this is the worst I've ever seen it. Granted, you know, I'm, I'm only 33, so I haven't seen very much, but I've, I've never, never had to encounter a problem like this in my life. So this is, it's interesting navigating it. That's, that's, that's for sure. But now our numbers have jumped back up. You know, I've had the, the, one of the largest freshman incoming class that I've had in years. So now on breakfast, we're pushing almost 200. Uh, lunch, I get between three and 400 students. And on dinner, we can go upwards of seven or 800 sometimes, uh, depending on what all's going on on campus. I am doing that seven days a week. Uh, most of the time, we're doing three meal periods a day. Other than the weekends, we do a brunch and a dinner service. I'm doing that with two cooks. Um, what? Ooh. So it has been, uh, it's, it's been rough. My cooks are working six days a week. They're typically working 10 to 12 hours a day with my sous chef, who's also doing catering right now, um, jumping in and helping on days where we don't have catering. So it is, uh, it's a struggle uh, every day. But luckily I have, it's a small team, but it's a very strong team. Uh, less of a team now, more of a family than ever. I know I talked about that in my, in my yeah. last uh, episode with you guys, but uh, this is, we will never be as close as a family as we are right now. You know, um, they're really putting the hours in and the work in. And I, I, I couldn't have asked for a better team to come together. It's just now, what do I have to do to get people to apply? Yeah. What do I have to do in order to get people back in here and start working and wanting to work? And it's just, it's a roadblock that I'm still navigating, unfortunately, but, uh, hopefully soon. <laughs> That's the industry though. Right now, I know there's so many places that need help. And so the catering aspect, are you, you know, I know catering was college and universities were kind of getting into catering as this revenue stream, right? Of, right. Of yeah. Making some revenue. Do you look at that though? Like restaurants, I think their approach to this labor shortage is simply pulling back, scaling their dining rooms down to handle the what the cooks can do, right? It doesn't do any good to seat the whole dining room if you're, you know, you're two cooks down. You can't manage it. Don't don't seat it. So, what is your philosophy on, on like the catering and that going forward? Are you going to still try to continue to do that i mean six days a week on your cooks is kind of a that's a burnout isn't it uh, you know it, it is a burnout uh my catering is full force right now uh so we're not turning around or not turning away caterings of any sort unless we are you know overbooked that day uh again luckily i i have just i've had the best people fall into my lap and that's that's all that it is i had two amazing cooks and then um the one Trevor who has been uh, my catering assistant for the last two years uh, with him included the three of them. I, I just got lucky. I got lucky with three people who uh, even when I tell them to take a day off, they're still texting me and calling me and wanting to know how things are going here and still trying to come in on their, you know, seventh day and me telling them that, no, you have to have, you have to take a day off. So um, yeah, we're, we're full force. Um, that is university standpoint on on this end uh even in the dining spaces i still uh i reopened all of my seating so we can hold 741 people in my building and we're absolutely able to do that i actually have a group of uh close to 600 coming for lunch in the morning uh at 11 a.m hmm. so we're, we're doing everything we can uh to make it seem as normal as possible it, it's not easy it's not easy on the staff there there's i'm not going to try to sugarcoat it 
Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's not easy at all. But again, I just, the group of people that have fallen into my lap, I am so lucky, so lucky to have to force well, them to take a day off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that you're lucky and you might be lucky that they, they, they fell into your lap, but, but really what I see is it's, it's a testament to quality leadership because, you know, they could go anywhere, anywhere and, 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 and get another job and they elect to stay with you despite being, you know, the hours and, and what's being required of them. So that's, that, that really is a testament to you at the helm there. So applause there, but it, it brings up some, some interesting thoughts uh, and questions and like, how do you alter how things are done being so short staffed? Cause like your numbers uh, and the people that you have to serve that you, you don't have control over that. You can't say, Hey, you know, we're closed today because we don't have the staff. What do you do? What are some tips or tricks that, that help uh, you make production and make numbers? It's been um, kind of like a, uh, this is a new adventure. So it's a trial <laughs> and error situation sure, on my end. Yeah. So, you know, we try something one week and if it doesn't work, then we all come together as a team. We discuss it, what worked, what didn't work, what we, what can we do to make it better next week? So mm-hmm. um, the biggest thing is, again, having just an amazing team who openly communicates and uh, helps me see things that I might not see because I'm preoccupied by other things going on. Um, so on my end, it's just been, it's, it, it's all trial and error. Um, luckily in the residential facility, I've been able to reopen some of my self-serve stations, uh, based Mm. off of, you know, Kentucky laws right now and what the university is wanting to see. So my salad bar is now self-serve, which cut down on that labor a little bit. They're now, now able to focus on the prep and the upkeep and the cleaning. Um, my pizza station has reopened as a self-serve station. So now, you know, my pizza person is able to, uh, build pizzas and make pizzas and not have to worry about, you know, stopping what they're doing to serve the 20 kids that we have in line waiting on pepperoni pizza, you know, um, my grill station reopened that today also self-serve and my bakery station is now self-serve. So that's helping a lot. Uh, today is the first day of that, of that self-serve. So we're going to see how that pans out for us uh, over the next couple of weeks, get some feedback from the university, get some feedback from the students uh, already while we were taking down the sneeze, the, not the sneeze guards themselves, but the, uh, the partitions. The shield, uh, some shields. students were like, you, you could hear like little sh- shrieks of excitement. And the, the best part of that was getting to interact with the students while this was happening today. And the students were like, we're so happy that you're doing this because now you're going to be able to focus on prep. So not only am I lucky in the aspect that I have an amazing team, but I also have some really awesome students on campus who understand how hard things are right now and know that like mm. just that little change is going to change the way we're able to uh, to serve them in the future. So hopefully that means I'm going to be able to reopen some stations because I have had to close stations right now due to staffing. My Mongolian station is just sitting there untouched, which is oh, probably the saddest thing that I've ever seen. To see. Yeah, <laughs> have that large Mongolian grill just oh, sitting there, beautiful, waiting it's for a me show to touch piece. it. Yes. It's gorgeous, yeah. and it's just sitting there. Um, and then my exhibition station, my live action station, the kids are really missing that because they love that live action pasta. They love coming up and, you know, being able to pick and choose what they're you know going to put in their pasta and watching my staff cook that. They miss it so much. Um, I've been trying to supplement the fact that I've not had all my stations open with some surprise events, little pop ups here and there. Um, my most recent one was a build your own trail mix station where the kids were able to come in. Um, I had a whole station set up with a bunch of different trail mix options. Uh, luckily, we live, uh, you know, right at the foothills of Appalachia. So we have a lake on campus called Eagle Lake and there are hiking trails around that lake. So uh, my marketing guy, who was amazing, came up with a map of Eagle Lake and the trails around it and some backstory as to, you know, why that lake is there. So I was able to set that up with that build your own trail mix station mm. and kind of pair that with mental health awareness for my students as well. How, you know, mm. things are still hard right now and we know that it's not easy to deal with, um, especially if you're a freshman in college, because you got to think these high school students that are just now coming in, they didn't get their last year of high school. So they're coming oh, right. into something completely brand new. So we, we've been more delicate uh, this time around with our students and, you know, more understanding and aware of, of their mentality and how things are going. So if there's anything I can do to, you know, get them outside and uh, working on their own mental health, that's that's what I'm going to do. Um, so that's that's one of my big ones right now. And then um, 
I do like little chef pop-ups. So yesterday I ran a, uh, what I'm calling the Eagle Philly. So it's a sirloin Philly sandwich that I made uh, a beer cheese sauce using a local Kentucky beer and paired it up with some cinnamon and uh, maple sweet potato fries. So just little things here and there, even if I'm the one that has to set up the station, prep the station, set up the station and run the station myself, then that's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go and do it. So that way I can give back to the students who have just been just so absolutely amazing and patient and kind to my staff during this time. They're just, they're so understanding. I'm, I'm so lucky. <laughs> I know I keep saying it, but like, I just can't that's, stop. You know, speaking of, of, Special things, surprise things. I knew, I knew that you're cooking up something for Halloween for the for the students. Ooh, what, we're gonna do, do we're gonna do five days of Halloween. So every Ooh. single day we're gonna do uh, a different Halloween treat out of my bakery. Uh, so higher education, uh, we have to be a little more aware of different lifestyles. So we can't have a Halloween celebration per se, because Halloween is actually, you know, it's a sacred holiday to some religions. Uh, A lot of them are actually, you know, practicing here on campus. So for us, it's more of, you know, what can we do to kind of like take them back to feeling like a kid, even if it's just for a few minutes. So Mm -hmm. I'll usually do, um, I'll hand shape little pumpkins out of Rice Krispie treats, you know, dime orange. And that way they're able to come in and get something that is uh, cute and will remind them of, you know, what it's like to be, to be a kid. Um, a lot of the students will still come up and say, you know, trick or treat to uh, my bakery woman <laughs> as they're getting treats. So it's going to be a different Halloween treat every single day for five days leading up to Halloween. And then uh, I'm just going to set out candy bowls everywhere. There's just going to be big candy bowls sitting out everywhere on Halloween. <laughs> So I can't decorate or do anything like that again due to again, yeah. religious reasons, but we're sure. going to make it as Halloween as possible. And also I'm probably going to dress up as Linda Belcher at least one day because I have to. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that show. I just got to get one of my cooks to be Bob and there's one here who looks yeah. just like him. So we're going to oh, be Bob brilliant. and Linda one day during the week and just do uh, like a burger special on grill during Halloween week and make it fun and exciting for the kids. You gotta have a, at least a Louise on staff somewhere too. Then we'll I would have imagine. To find, oh my gosh, I have the perfect person. Thank you for that. Now he's gonna hate me, but he's gonna have such a good <laughs> time as Louise. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a Bob's Burgers cookbook, so I'm gonna have to break out one of the there Bob's is. Burgers burgers for that week. I think. Oh, there you're is, giving yeah. me too many ideas. <laughs> so, um, will there be candy corn that you put out? Ew. This is for Rich. <laughs> good i no. was asking what i wanted to know your your thank opinion you. on candy thank corn. you thank you wait do you like candy hate corn hate it oh, oh okay, i can't good. stand oh. this stuff no i'll i can melt it down and make a sauce out of it and you know make that work but just to sit around <laughs> eating candy corn who does that no like thank you it's always on the shelves i don't think anyone actually buys candy corn see oh, i was just talking disagrees. about that no, no, no. I, I was like, nobody remembers who bought it, but the stuff shows up everywhere. It does. It's, and no, it's like, I didn't buy that. Did you buy it? No. I, I, I. It's a Halloween mystery. It is. There's candy corn elves that go around and just place it in everyone's little dishes. <laughs> There's just so many good candies out there. Why in the world would you ever go, ugh, candy corn? <laughs> All right. So it's let, tradition. <laughs> Justin, we'll, we'll have to ask her the same question then. So. As one of your go-tos, what's like a candy that you just really look forward to having on Halloween? Uh, Reese's Pumpkins. You're in. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What do you mean? They came out last month and I already like bought the entire box from the Dollar General down the road. (laughs) Like they came out in August and I seen them and there was one box sitting there, like one box of the little individual ones that are meant for like the people at the register are like, oh, I could use a candy bar. No, I bought the whole damn thing. Nope. I took the whole thing and I was like, this is mine. I'm purchasing all of them. I could use some. No. Uh, they're in my freezer at home right now (laughs) uh, see that's the best like my wife taught me that trick she's like throw those in the freezer that is a different experience it's a game changer and this is the only time of the year that I'll eat Reese's too uh, no, oh, you know what? I take uh, that back. I really like the eggs. Something about that like say, oval shape, that round shape, it makes it better, and I don't know why. <laughs> I, you know, I do like the eggs, and I was talking with Rich about this, but my my honest opinion is that the original shape and proportion and ratio of chocolate to peanut butter, uh, it can't be perfected. You know, some people like more peanut butter, some people like more chocolate, and I'll eat all of them and I'll love all of them. But like, it's the OG for me. Like when it comes, have to have you Reese's. seen the Frankenstein Reese's yet? 
They've got a little green bottom. Oh, no, I haven't seen those yet. Yeah, so it's like, uh, it's two different colors, but I know that the bottom of it is uh, like a lime green color. Uh, my fiance bought some and she was like, I thought you might like these. And I was like, pumpkins are bust. Like, stop trying to push your <laughs> stuff on me. I don't want it. I just want my pumpkin. No, but Ooh. they're cute. The colors are cute. <laughs> oh, funny. That's one you'd have to leave in the wrapper. Otherwise, you might uh, think your Reese's has gone bad. Yeah, no, that's what I said. I was like, does that not remind you of mold? Like, do you not feel like you're eating a moldy Reese's? And she was like, no, it's Frankenstein. It's Halloween-y. And I was like, pumpkins. Pumpkins are Halloween-y, not green. It's kind of like when, when Burger King did that that Whopper that was like, you know, was a like yes, it was black, black or something. It's like charcoal bun, yeah. Like, mm, I don't know. There's something in my brain that tells me I shouldn't be eating this, so it's yeah, going to affect the taste. <laughs> Anything like charcoal. I, you know what? I can do charcoal ice cream, though. I like a, I like a charcoal ice cream. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Charcoal ice cream? Yeah, like a well, I've done like a squid ink ice cream. Oh, yeah. squid ink. I could do that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a color that you don't associate with, but it works. Yeah. It works. Yeah, so charcoal. Take me back here. Charcoal ice cream. Yeah. Where are you, what, are you, what are you doing? You're scraping down... Uh, you tell me. <laughs> Go to the campfire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can get like activated charcoal <laughs> and put it into your soft serve. Oh. It's healthy. You've ah. never seen like charcoal in your toothpaste before? It's supposed to be a, a natural whitener. Hmm. And also, it's just really fun to brush your teeth with it because your whole mouth turns black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like when people uh, get cakes to celebrate milestones like 50th birthdays or something like that, and they do the black frosting <laughs> like okay everybody smile take a picture everyone's are just black. now they're black yeah <laughs> like i really wanted to do a wedding cake that was black and <laughs> my fiance was just like do you want our wedding pictures if you're just your mouth to be black and i was like mate we'll just tell people i was eating souls oh. <laughs> like, I was eating souls i was that's that's all it is <laughs> yeah. yeah the thing about that is uh, at least when i ever like for my, I recently had my birthday and uh, had a cake with some blue icing. And then, not to be too graphic, but you tend to forget about it the next day. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Should I call a doctor?" <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh gosh, yeah, that was no. <laughs> I forget like how much like activated charcoal just affects every part of your body. So then, like, <laughs> you have to revisit that a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, we've turned a corner here yes. for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, we've we've gone a little far off base. That's okay though. <laughs> <laughs> so moonshine is just—it's a part of the fabric, part of the culture, uh, for for your family, many families. What what can that be relatable to somebody outside of an area that that doesn't produce moonshine? Well, I mean, I feel like anyone's able to identify with it just because. You know, the making of moonshine and wines and beers, you know, that really came from Prohibition. So mm -hmm. that wasn't just like a local Kentucky thing. That was, you know, all, all of our states, you know, alcohol was just it was not legal. So but not the, everybody kept making it, though. It's like not you, everybody yeah. kept making it. You're right. In Kentucky, we kept making it because we realized not only is it good to drink and it makes you feel all right, <laughs> but it'll take the pain off a barn as well. So uh, <laughs> it has more than one use. Uh, really, moonshine was a medicine, you know, similar to how how bourbon is bourbon or whiskey can be considered a medicine. Uh, you got a little tickle in your throat or a cough or something that moonshine it's going to clear you right up. Same thing with any sinuses you've got. Like it's, it's, it's a miracle worker is what it is, but it's also really scary because it looks like water. It doesn't have a smell. And if someone puts it in a Mason jar and you go to take a swig of it, you're not going to know until it's already hitting your stomach, unfortunately. <laughs> so moonshine mm -hmm. is dangerous, but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a family tradition. I would like to say that I don't know anybody who's still making moonshine in the mountains, but I absolutely do know people who are still making moonshine in the mountains at the basin of a creek and using creek water to do it, to, to power their little moonshine distilleries. And uh, it's just nowadays we get it flavored. Apple pie moonshine is one of our favorites. And uh, we're in harvest season right now. So that means apple, apple pie moonshine <laughs> is right around the corner. Harvest season <laughs> oh. for moonshine. <laughs> oh. so is is moonshine i've never I, i'll confess i've never had it is it do they water it down is it stronger than regular whiskey i mean is it like oh, 190 it's, it's like you hear about stronger 
Um, so yeah. you know how Russians have vodka, right? Yes. And you know Russian Russian vodka is going to be completely different than what we get here in the states. And everyone mm. always tells you, be careful with Russian vodka; it's going to be much stronger. It's gasoline. That's, that's that is moonshine to Kentucky. It is our gasoline. <laughs> okay. But it moonshine to credit, like a really skilled uh, distiller uh, makes very smooth moonshine like, goes down uh, easy and wakes you up hard the next day <laughs> oh for sure like my experience with it when i was in kentucky was uh it was a very positive experience <laughs> so but it, does it taste like vodka or like okay well let's say good vodka is what's the taste i don't of think moonshine? that it does uh for me it's almost like a sweet corn taste oh. uh every every palate's gonna taste it a little bit different but for me that's that's what i'm getting is that uh just a little a little hint of sweet corn with um some you know, battery acid, you know, <laughs> but no, okay. no, just ever hint, a hint of acid. Yeah. You know, it'll, it'll dry you up. Uh, have you ever had Everclear? Yes. You know how Everclear just seems to pull all the moisture out of your mouth whenever oh, you go yes. to take a drink uh -huh. of it. Numbs so your good, lips. It's Yeah. Good moonshine is going to do the same thing, but uh, the dangerous part about good moonshine is it's going to be smooth like water. Your stomach's going to mm. burn a little bit, but nothing else is going to. So that's how you know you've really? got some good moonshine. Yeah. So no no feeling in the throat, like a, a little burn of any sort or anything in your mouth? Maybe I'm just used to it. You you guys will probably have a little bit of burn <laughs> in your throat. like, that's <laughs> nothing. It's like drinking water. <laughs> what? No, that's you put it on, well, you know, teeth coming in as a, as a child. You know, put a little, sure. rub a little bit of moonshine on it. It'll numb yeah. you right up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I've had that. I've had done to me. Not moonshine. Whiskey. Whiskey, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it it it's a kind of a blank palette, though. I mean, that's why you got like the apple, uh, the apple pie. You know, if you just throw some cinnamon sticks in there, mm -hmm. I mean, it'll you could throw anything in there and it'll it'll uh, take on whatever flavor. So you know, my mama really... always put a uh, a shot of a moonshine in her apple pies. Oh. So oh. It, uh, she always said that it was for a more tender pie crust, but you're well, also going to get a really nice sauce. Uh, over your apples with that, so uh, I, I can tell a difference, but it also could just be because I grew up on you know apple pie uh, with a little bit of moonshine in it, and I can tell a huge difference, you know, tasting somebody else's apple pie. But uh, yeah. yeah, my my grandmother she swears by it uh, in most of her fruit pies. Actually, she would put just just a little shot or two of moonshine in there, and uh, that sauce is just uh, it is to die for inside of those pies. So it would be like one for me, one for the pie. One. Yeah. It's the jar is for you, and then you just like dip your fingers in and sprinkle it into the pie. But the rest is just for you. Makes bacon more fun. So, so is it like, is it like we we see in the the, the show that's out on the Discovery or whatever channel it's on, and and kind of the the lore that you hear about? Is it like these? these families defending territories and their recipes. Is it really that, I mean, is that reality or is that kind of Hollywood Depending makeup? Depending on where you're at in Appalachia, absolutely. Um, some of the biggest rivalries that you're going to see actually happen in, in West Virginia, um, which is just, uh, that's, that's a 45 minute drive for me. So, but like right on that border where West Virginia and Kentucky hit each other, you're going to get some, you know, not only family rivalry, rivalry, but, uh, you know, state states as well you know kentucky moonshine versus west virginia moonshine and i'm gonna be honest i've never had west virginia moonshine i've only had it from you know the hills of eastern kentucky so i couldn't tell you which one is better but i'm obviously gonna say kentucky uh yeah here uh, uh but yeah yeah it is um you don't hear about it very much but you, you'd be surprised at how many uh families back in these little haulers are actually feuding with each other because, you know, someone's come onto their side of the creek in order to, to you know, to get uh, a better water supply for their little mini distillery mm. they have going on. So it's not unheard of. Uh, we don't overlook it here, here in town, but everybody else, they just, you know, everyone's kind of oblivious to it unless you lived in a hauler yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think everyone knows the, the history of NASCAR and how that all kind of originated running moonshine right that was the right. whole kind of start of nascar these guys souping up their their stock vehicles and running away from the police so and man do we love nascar and moonshine around here yeah <laughs> all right well Brittany, as, as we thought this was another really fun day you're, uh, you're just always fun to talk to it's because it's it's you know so so much about a, a wide variety of topics you're certainly uh your new job congratulations again on that Thank and all the you. things that you got going on there, but just the, the fun of talking about life in general is always just such a good time with you. So thank you again for, for joining us on the show today. And so Brittany, and, and before we let you go, once again, we always ask our, our guests for any 
you know, inspirational thoughts or anything like that that you have? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a tip this time though, y'all, because uh, we're we're entering harvest season. So one of the biggest things that we do here in Kentucky, especially anybody that owns an apple orchard, at the end of harvest season, always make sure that you leave at least one apple hanging on the tree. Otherwise, you're inviting the devil in. So next year's oh. harvest won't be as good. So everybody wow. leave uh, at least one piece of your produce out. Don't don't pick it. Don't harvest it. Just leave it there. Let the devil have it. He'll leave you alone. Don't breathe in right. your cemeteries. Hold your breath. Hold your Don't breath. Don't step on graves. Don't we learned a lot of grave. good stuff here today, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been learning a lot of stuff I've been doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, Brittany, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and congratulations on your upcoming wedding. That's, that's fantastic. Happy thank for you. you. And wish you the best with all that. And um, just once again, thanks again for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. All right. Wow, Justin. Uh, As we thought, Mm -hmm. there we go. Once again, Brittany, everybody. It was just, it's fun though, right? She's just a great person to talk to. There's a lot of fun and... um, yeah, we could talk for for quite a long time, but oh, I know, I know, we could just keep going and going. It's yeah. she's just such uh, such an effervescent person, you know. It's just fun to talk to. You felt feel like you've been friends forever with her, and and that's just how she carries herself, and and one of the reasons why she is uh, as successful as she is. You know, right. she's genuine, she's true to herself, and it's just a contagious personality to be around, and I, I love that. Yeah, well, I want to kick this one over to Nate to get the uh, the recap from Nate on it. But uh, good luck, Nate, because I think there was just a ton of stuff there. So <laughs> take it away, Nate. Thanks, Rich. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here, like you mentioned, and a lot, a lot of good stuff. One thing that just stuck out in my mind is that we talk about folks who work in hospitality being really about people, enjoying people, being people pleasers. Um, but it was awesome to hear Chef Brittany's appreciation for her staff and her team and the people who help her out, because I think it's often forgotten, especially from our side of things, how much of a team effort quality food service is now more than ever. And I thought that was a wonderful, it was just, it was so awesome. It's awesome to, to interact with genuine people who express gratitude. And that's been Brittany, obviously, since we have gotten to know her, that's just kind of who she is. But I think we can still be appreciative of that. The other quick tidbit I do want to highlight amongst all the really good stuff we talked about was using using and utilizing self-serve as an opportunity to still meet customer demand when you might be short on help. And I thought that was a very strategic way. I know she's just getting into it now with her ability due to COVID restrictions, but I think that that is a really wise plan that if you still have the back of house help, or if you're still able to prep stuff ahead of time, or you're able to keep stuff fresh, if you have the proper equipment to be able to give self-serve that just pays off benefits from the operation side, but also allows students or customers, if that's the situation you're in, to be able to quickly and conveniently get what they want and get out with minimal human interaction and minimal staffing required on that side of things. I thought that was an awesome idea. But yeah, awesome show. We we love talking to Brittany. It's just, it's been great getting to know her and just another mm-hmm. awesome episode. Yeah, no, well said. She she talked about it several times about her staff and that appreciating them. And that's, you know, people always talk about um, when people leave a job, they don't leave the job as much sometimes as, as they leave the manager, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, thanks, Nate. Always, uh, always a good recap. You get that ability to kind of take it all and chunk it out, break it down. So thanks for that. Appreciate it very much. Justin, anything from you? Last uh, departing thoughts for the day? Yeah. As always, I'd like to remind everyone to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a moment with a chef or food service industry professional again. And while you're at it, if you'd also take a moment to share what we got going on here with a friend, let them know that you appreciate the conversations that we have. All right. Thank you for that. And then lastly, just um, let us know what you're thinking and, and keep in touch with us. You can do that as well at volrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. And if uh, you, another quote here at the end, but if everyone, if you always keep in mind who our customers are, and if you did everything as if they were watching, you'd know you'd be doing it right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week ahead. Until next time, take care. <laughs>